Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back into your Locked On Browns podcast. Again, I am your host, Jared Mueller. Thanks for stopping by on this Tuesday or whenever you are listening to us. And so yesterday, Monday, uh, was all about Robert Griffin III. I got news, um, got word early in the morning that we probably were going to hear some news. And so delayed the Locked On Browns podcast for Monday uh, until that came out. And so obviously that news uh, was bad for Robert Griffin III. It was bad for Browns fans. Um, and so you can hear all of my take on that and my instant reaction uh, looking at yesterday's Locked On Browns podcast for September 12th. And so my instant reaction to Robert Griffin III being out for at least eight games and most likely for the rest of the year is there. And so I don't want to rehash that uh, too much. We'll talk about it a little bit uh, today as we kind of look at um, what week one looked like and start to look forward to week two and what, what, what week two is going to look like for the Cleveland Browns, uh, what we can look forward to, what we're worried about, and those kind of things. So RG3 plays a role in some of that, and so uh, obviously we're going to hit on that, but I don't want to re, um, rehash that too much. I don't think there's a lot of benefit to going over that again. You can find uh, that from me if you'd like, uh, all on yesterday's Locked On podcast. So looking for uh, back at week one, uh, there's a lot of interesting things. Obviously, it was a, a difficult week for the Browns fans. The Browns really um, had put them put their fans in position to think there was a chance that they could win, uh, or at least they could play well. Uh, and unfortunately, that just didn't happen. And so uh, if we look at some of the basic stats, uh, some that shoot out, uh, Robert Griffin III, 190 yards total passing on 12 for 26. And so that's something that I pointed out uh, early uh, in this offseason, especially after preseason game number two, is whether or not the Browns' big offense with the big plays would be able to sustain any drives, or would Robert Griffin III be kind of a boomer bust kind of player with the deep balls to Terrell Pryor and Corey Coleman. The Coleman one obviously was a little bit more lucky than good. Uh, Coleman really fought for that ball and uh, had some defenders who weren't paying attention. So, um, but really, besides those two deep balls, Griffin really wasn't able to really sustain drives, even as Hugh Jackson's offense looked to try to dink and dunk uh, to get the Browns uh, up and down the field. Uh, and so, a uh, quarterback rating, according to ESPN, of 22.2 just isn't going to do it. An overall rating of 55, again, just not going to do it. With the one interception off the tip ball, uh, you had some who looked at that as a terrible play. Others who tip balls happened, and so uh, Griffin could have done a little bit of a better job of opening up that passing lane. Uh, the pass looked like it might have been a little behind the receiver, uh, but there he went, and there was the interception. So a tip ball is a tip ball. It happens at times. Not something I'm going to beat up Griffin about, but again, something that would have been great for him to learn from. Not an option anymore. And we look at the running game, 120 yards total as a team. Not a bad, bad start for uh, 21 carries. Um, we look at Crowell, someone who 
um, I really thought the Browns would try to focus on, and at some level they did. Um, the Browns didn't have a lot of offensive plays, and so for Crowell to get 12 carries, 62 yards, uh, that's not bad. Um, he had a 5.2 yard per carry average with only a uh, long of 20 yards, and so it's important when we look at that yards per carry average, uh, there are some times where that's going to look really good because of one really, really long run. Um, 20 yard run, again, that's a good run, it's a good long run, but we're not talking about a 60, 70 yard run, which is impacting the average as much. So a 5.2 yard per carry average is very, very good. It'll be interesting to see whether um, Hugh Jackson goes forward with Isaiah Crowell, really pounding him, uh, you know, 18 to 20 carries, something like that, to try to keep the offense on the field a little bit more, something that really they struggled with um, in the game uh, against the Eagles. Griffin had 37 yards on five carries, again, along of 20. Uh, and then Duke Johnson, someone who Browns fans are really excited about. I'm not sure Hugh Jackson is exactly sure how he wants to use him in the run game, uh, but he had three carries for 22 yards, a long of 17. And so that means in the other two carries, he only had five yards. But again, Duke Johnson is a quality runner who I think Hugh just has to figure out how to use. And so um, then obviously in the receiving game, really it was, uh, it was Coleman and it was Pryor because of their two uh, long catches. Uh, Coleman for 58 yards, Pryor for 44. Besides that, Duke had three catches for 28 yards. Crowell had two for 16. Uh, and then the fullback, Malcolm Jackson had two. M Malcolm Johnson had two for nine. So again, nothing that overly exciting when it comes to an offense where two big plays, and that's really about it. And so um, it says a lot about why the Browns were not able to sustain drives. It says a lot about uh, why the Eagles were able to uh, be on the field as much as they were offensively. Uh, to the point that they uh, had 34 carries compared to the Browns' 21. Um, that Carson Wentz had 37 uh, pass attempts, while Robert Griffin III only had 26. And so it says a lot about what was going on offensively, that the Browns really weren't able to um, keep things rolling in a way that allowed the team to be successful. At the end of all that, we look at the time of possession. And so... Um, while turnovers are going to be really, really important, the Browns had one, the Eagles didn't have any, but it really didn't matter. It wasn't about a bunch of turnovers creating this huge uh, time of possession difference. The Eagles had 39 minutes of offense, had the ball for 39 minutes of the 60 minutes. The Browns had it for 20. And so almost double, basically, of how much time the Browns had the ball, the Eagles had the ball. And so when you look at the score... 29 to 10, there is something to be said about what happened there, that when the Browns can't sustain on offense, we know their defense isn't good enough. But if we really, if we could have even evened that out at 30 and 30, if the offense could have sustained a few more drives, they probably would have put a few more points on the board, kept the defense off the field, allowed them to uh, rest a little bit. Uh, and again, the Eagles would have had the ball for less time. And so maybe that score looks a little closer if they're just able to sustain some drives. They're just able to put a few drives together. And so while now with Robert Griffin the third out, some are wondering if Josh McCown, based on just the offense, may be able to produce a little bit better in week two than we saw from Griffin. On the other hand, Josh McCown is as fragile as Griffin. And so we could see our third quarterback by the first quarter of game two, uh, and maybe even our fourth by the end of that, uh, depending on how Cody Kessler and then Kevin Hogan would really respond. But again, sustaining drive, something that I've harped on all preseason, 
killed the Browns. Again, time of possession, 39 minutes and 20 seconds for the Eagles, 20 minutes and 40 seconds for the Browns. That's on the offense. No matter how bad the defense is, that is on the offense. The defense was on the field far too long, and they were going to give up points. That was just a guarantee uh, with this Browns defense. So the offense has to do better. They have to put the Browns in a better position defensively. And if they don't, this could be a very, very long season. And now a reminder that Locked On Browns podcast, we are brought to you by FanDuel. Fans, the first week of the NFL season is officially in the books. How'd your fantasy team do this week? Did you get it on the fun over at FanDuel? No? It's not too late. Week two is coming up Thursday. I know in week one, my real big questions come down to this. What about Des Bryant? Can it, do we look at Des Bryant as someone that Dak Prescott is going to try to get involved in the game more uh, after their loss to the New York Giants? Can Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, and the rest of the wide receivers continue to just have huge numbers? What about guys like Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed from the New Orleans Saints? Fantasy football for everyday fans is what FanDuel is all about. New contests starting every week. There's no busted seasons. There's nobody uh, crying over Keenan Allen because they can just go on to the next week and start all over again. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. This year, FanDuel has an upgraded experience. Get even more contest variety. Try the beginner contest for new players only. Settle a score with your friend in head-to-head contest. Who doesn't love doing that? Try a 50-50 contest where the top half wins cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. You can play for a dollar. You can play for more. There's choices for every budget. And this week, this week's Sunday million-dollar contest is paying out $2 million, 200000 to first-place winner. I know for me, it's a lot of excitement and a lot of nervousness trying to figure out who I want to pick for this week especially with week two coming up. With FanDuel, you can have all the fantasy that football has to offer. With FanDuel, you can be sports rich. So try FanDuel now and get up to $50 in free entries. New users who deposit will get five free entries to NFL's 50-50 beginner contest. They're valued up to 50 bucks. You'll get one free entry a week for five weeks. The value of those free entries will vary based on your deposit amount. So risk more, win more. Go to FanDuel.com, click on the Join Now button, and use my promo code LOBrowns. That's LOBrowns for Lockdown Browns. Go to FanDuel.com, promo code LOBrowns, and remember that is void where prohibited. So where do we have a place for some positives? Those who know me know that I tend to be an optimist. I tend to look at the glass half full or even more. Um, I tend to look for ways to fill the cup up a little bit. And so, Browns fans, where's our where's our optimism going into week two against the Baltimore Ravens, a team that uh, won a pretty ugly game against the Buffalo Bills? The Browns are already one game back of every team in the AFC North division that I believe still is going to have be on a downturn this year. But three teams are 1-0. The Browns are the only ones at 0-1. It sounds really, really familiar. Where do we find some positives? For me, there's two places that I look. First, it's um, early in the or late in the first quarter. We the Browns had two drives that really were exciting, and so the first one was their touchdown drive, seven plays, seventy-five yards, only took up three minutes and nineteen seconds, and so the Browns really started to get rolling in this time um, with some runs, short passes to Pryor. Um, then you obviously you had a lot of good plays there where it looked like that. Um, Hugh Jackson was starting to get into rhythm, starting to understand what he wanted to do. The deep ball to Pryor for 44 yards where he made the great play over the cornerback Carroll. 
um, was just a really well um, caught ball. Uh, Griffin put Pryor in a position to make a play. Um, and then obviously you had Isaiah Crowell uh, busting outside for that touchdown. And so um, then the Browns held the Eagles. They punted the ball after three plays. And then we had another seven-play drive, 52 yards, uh, under four minutes. It ended with the interception off that tip ball. Again, the ball might have been a little bit behind Coleman. The uh, defender was able to get his hand up at the line and tip it, um, which caused the problem. But the Browns are at the 28-yard line. At a minimum, we're going to have a 41-yard field goal attempt. But they were really in a very, very good rhythm. Um, they were able to run the ball a little bit, pass the ball. Um, it really was a, a good, solid combination where it looked like Hugh Jackson really uh, got his feet underneath of him. Unfortunately, the turnover led to a field goal, um, and the Browns ran out the, the clock, um, and they were down 13-7 going into the half. Got a field goal coming out of halftime, so they're only down 13-10 uh, early in the third quarter, and then the safety happened. So um, when we look at where the Browns were, from the middle to late in the second quarter, again, touchdown, caused the three and out. We're driving the ball, the tip ball interception, gave up a field goal to the Eagles on somewhat short field, um, and then got the ball, got a field goal, forced the Eagles to punt, and then we had the safety. So Cameron Irving's uh, snap over uh, Robert Griffin III's head really kind of killed a lot of momentum, led to a touchdown and a 22-10 lead, and everything kind of snowballed from there. But there's a lot of hope that I have that Hugh Jackson got his feet wet, got a feel for what he wanted to do offensively, and that led to uh, some very good plays. And again, a 13-10 uh, deficit early in the second quarter with the ball ended up with a safety. But at that point in time, the Browns really did seem like they had their feet underneath them, and there's a lot of excitement going forward. And so that, for me, is really what I'm where my hope lies is that uh, if the Browns can get some rhythm, if they can not shoot themselves in the foot on the offensive side of the ball, then you could have an opportunity to really sustain those drives, to run the ball, to pat, throw the deep ball every once in a while. Those kind of things, I think um, Hugh Jackson really is trying to figure out himself, figure out where he wants to go. He's got all this talent on the outside, but he wants to be a power running team, and that's something that he's just really struggling through. And so for me, there's a lot of excitement there. There's a lot of excitement looking at what the offense could become, even though it struggled yesterday. And even though we're going back to Josh McCown, who could get injured in a heartbeat, there was some signs of a Browns offense that really was going to get rolling along. And so um, it'll be interesting to see, does Gary Barnage get more involved? Him and Josh McCown had a really good connection last year. I think that's someone you can want to pick up in fantasy, maybe even in FanDuel in week two against the Ravens. Uh, Barnage could be someone you might want to pick up. Um, or even for your long-term season, um, could impact Pryor and Coleman. Um, Pryor kind of primarily, who's really been our, our deep go route, the nine route, um, not really Josh McCown's strength. And with his long windup, um, allows the safety to kind of get over. And so we're probably going to see a big change in the offense. Um, and probably Pryor is someone that you don't want to have going forward on fantasy but again, can really help take the, the top off the defense. They're going to have to throw that ball once or twice a game to Pryor, Coleman, or when Josh Gordon returns. And so for me, there's there's some excitement there. And the other excitement is really in the young players. And so uh, I've been clear and consistent since the start of this season. This season's been about two things, the development of young players and whether or not Robert Griffin III is the Browns quarterback of the future. 
We have an answer to Robert Griffin III. If you want my all of my details, again, listen to the Lockdown Browns podcast from uh, the 12th from yesterday, um, talking about the instant reaction to Griffin's injury. But we have an answer there, it seems. It looks like Griffin may not play at all the rest of this year. We'll hear in two to three weeks whether or not he's going to require surgery and be done for the season. Um, but he can't come back until week 10 anyways. Whether or not they put him back in the game uh, it will really depend on how everything is going and what they want to do. But that was number one. We want to figure out, is Griffin the guy, or are they going to have to go and draft that guy? Number two is to, to see the development of the young players. And so Corey Coleman struggled a little bit, had some drops. But you saw with that deep kind of wobbly, quacking pass that Robert Griffin the third threw, he he will fight for the football, and uh, he will make a catch. And, and you can see the comparisons of Steve Smith uh, from the Baltimore Ravens with that play. Um, and then you look at defensively. Again, while the defense didn't play great, there's a lot of young guys making plays, getting penetration. Danny Shelton, I've not seen that kind of penetration from him uh, last year, this preseason or anything. He kept his pad level low. He got pushed into the backfield. Um, he really was disruptive in the middle um, of the defensive line. You had Carl Nassib, who uh, kind of ran into a sack, uh, had a tackle for loss, uh, knocked down a pass. The same thing with Manny Ogba. Uh, he knocked down a pass. And so we saw some things from some young players. Joe Schobert, um, while I still think he's undersized as an uh, outside linebacker, he's more fitted for inside linebacker, really was all over the field, was able to um, – he looked respectful, uh, respectable. And I think that's really important is we've got a lot of young guys starting and a lot of young guys playing a lot of downs. And so can, do they look respectable? Do they look like they belong on the field? You know, does Derek Kindred look like he belongs on the field? Um, a lot of – does – Ibrahim Campbell looked like he belongs in the field. And I think um, what we saw yesterday was Joe Hayden struggled a little bit. Um, Traymond Williams looks like he shouldn't even be on the roster at this point in time. Um, we see that Nate Orchard really isn't going to get a lot of playing time, which I think uh, may be a little bit of a frustration for him, obviously, going forward. And that's a second-round pick that, you know, we can't get back. Um, and so we, we see a lot of these things. And so um, – for me, it's all going to be about that production. What do we see next week against Baltimore? Uh, does Nasib continue to get penetration to play smart um, at one side, outside? Uh, does Emmanuel Agba get a little bit more pressure on uh, the less mobile uh, Joe Flacco? You know, can they stop the run a little bit more? Obviously, again, it depends on are they able to stay off the field? You know, is, are they able to um, – to, is the offense allowing them to be successful? So when we look at the defense, you know, Ibrahim Campbell uh, played in all 100, uh, all 77 defensive plays. So again, to look at the difference between how many plays each defense had to play, Campbell played in 100% of the snaps defensively, 77 plays. Malcolm Jenkins, the free safety for the Eagles, played in 98% of their offensive or defensive snaps, which was 51. And so that's 26 extra plays. For a lot of, with a lot of young players, that's a lot of room for mistake. And so, um, but defensively, I think beside outside of Tremont Williams, the Browns didn't look terrible. Uh, Joe didn't look great uh, with the touchdown that he gave up, but ankle issue coming back, not a lot of playing time, uh, trying to get the rust off, playing in a new system, all of those kind of things. Again, if the offense is able to sustain some drives, I don't think the defense, I don't think we're going to be yelling about the defense today, even if the Browns had lost, if they could have sustained a couple more drives, if they didn't have that safety turnover, uh, maybe even if they punted instead of that fake punt, um, 
where they gave up the ball, I think the the defense, the score would not have looked as bad. I think we might have been looking at a 20-point game, uh, you know, a 21-point game versus a 29-point game. And I think there's, I think fans are a little bit less upset at this time. And so while the defense didn't look great, the offense put them in a poor position. And so as we kind of move forward, um, it's important that we, we look for those areas of hope. That's not going to come on the scoreboard. That's not going to come in the record books, most likely. But do we see development along the year? Do we, uh, if Robert Griffin III does return, uh, do we have a good idea whether or not we can build around him? I think physically, while I believe he has the skill set to succeed, I don't know if physically he's going to be able. And I don't think the Browns can risk that going forward. And so while week one didn't go the way I expected it, I expected Hugh Jackson to help coach Doug Peterson, it didn't surprise me. And Browns fans, if it surprised you, you may not have been paying attention. You may not have been paying enough attention to the preseason, uh, to the young players, and really what this season is going to be all about. The development of the young guys and answering that question at quarterback. We know the answer at quarterback, I think. The development of the young guys, we have 15 more games to really look at. As we finish every full Lockdown Browns podcast, it is time for our listen up, our tune in, and our click on segment. And so... uh, The first part is our listen up. I encourage you to listen up to my guys, Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. They have our Locked On NFL Draft podcast. I'll actually be recording with them. Uh, So there'll be a podcast episode with me looking at the Browns uh, 14 rookie class with them talking about what what they've looked like so far and what it might look like moving forward. So uh, again, your listen up is to Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs on our Locked On Draft podcast, a part of the Locked On Pod Network. Your tune in, again, I want to encourage you as the Browns kind of make it very clear that they are not going to win a lot of games. The Cleveland Indians are uh, leading the Central Division, have looked really, really good this season, are a very exciting team. Lost last night, but that happens Uh, with the long Major League Baseball season, Um, but they have been competing for the best record in the American League. So tune in to the Cleveland Indians versus the Chicago White Sox. First pitch is 8-10 tonight. And finally, my click on is a very unique one. And so um, one of our friends, uh, friends of the Cavs, used to run the Fear of the Sword website, used to be the editor there, uh, then worked for the NBA for a little while. Uh, His name is Conrad. Uh, And so follow me on Twitter. You can see some tweets that I sent up last night. But there's a story going around. It's all about him. And that's because Conrad's on Bleacher Report and it's on a few, uh, it's on Complex Magazine's website as well. Uh, My friend Zach uh, put that up on Complex. Uh, Because Conrad lives in California. And Conrad yesterday purchased his new license plates. And his new California license plates are very simply three space one, and the word lead. And so Conrad in California will constantly be a reminder to the Golden State Warriors and their fans that the Golden State Warriors gave up a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So check out the story. Uh, Again, that's on Bleacher Report, but it's also on uh, Complex Magazine's website, so you can check that out. Again, Conrad has a license plate that uh, constantly will remind Golden State Warriors of their team giving up a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals with the unanimous MVP after winning 73 games. They gave up a 3-1 lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers, the NBA champions of the world. So check out that story. Again, that's our listen-up. 
our tune in and our click on. Thanks for listening in to this Locked On Browns podcast. Again, I am at Jared K. Mueller on Twitter. Thanks and go Browns. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Napa know how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31